Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you, you, you pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got my good friend, Janet Carter. In this episode, we talk about um, nutrition, how important nutrition is to the body and effects of it. Um, if it's uh, if your intake is uh, is really really good, healing injuries is one of the main things that I like um, foods to take when you're injured or not to eat when you're injured, and just making a conscious effort of being healthy as an athlete. Right, those things are very important. So uh, let's get into the interview. We'll get right into it. I know you're busy. Everybody's busy, but I, and I do appreciate your time. <laughs> you know, I do appreciate your time. But and what we tried to do here, Janet, is uh, you know, I'm glad. Not I'm glad, but because of COVID and because of you know so much uh, stipulations, we kind of uh, been creative and started a podcast. And you know, one of our things is being a soundboard uh, for the community, getting information, um, to the parents about student athletes, you know, nutrition, education, skill development. So this is one of the ways that we can kind of still do that in, in the midst of where we are as a society. So, um, you Absolutely. know, we, we had, you know, some dealings, you know, back in the days with day TV and, and options. So I, I just was thinking, man, I'd love to have you back on just to get an update on the nutritional aspect of, of, um, uh, of, of the student athlete focus. So um, I appreciate your time for coming on. Absolutely. I'm excited to do it. Um, so let's get right into it. Let's, let's, let's tell the audience a little bit about, about, about you, about where you started, where you're from. I think all that's important about when you get in someone's, um, you know, take on something. Um, it's all about their past, their history and, and the purpose. Right. So um, yeah, take absolutely. us back to, you know, where you're from your high school and then, you know, lead us up to how you end up in Charleston and in, in MUSC. Sure. So I grew up in Wisconsin, so the cheese state. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, I had an epiphany when I was, you know, finishing up my high school career and realized that I was very interested in health and wellness, but also in teaching. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> um, I researched, you know, nutrition and dietetics, which is dietetics is basically the formal form of nutrition education. You know, it's, it's not the most beautiful word (laughs) to describe the profession, but, um, but that's what it's called. So I'm a dietitian, a registered dietitian. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I was researching that profession and I thought what a perfect fit for me, you know, to be able to help people to be healthy through healthy living, you know, eating healthy, exercising, and being able to teach those kinds of concepts to folks. And so it was just a perfect fit and the rest is history. So basically I went to um, the University of Wisconsin Stout for undergrad. 
okay. um, which was a great experience and so much fun. And then I got my master's degree at Boston University and mm-hmm. completed my in- internship there, which was about a two-year program. And then um, <clears throat> that was, so I worked in Massachusetts for a couple of years, just, um, you know, for my first job in the field. And um, it was, it was wonderful, but then I ended up moving to Charleston just on a whim because right. it's beautiful. <laughs> right. And um, from there, I actually ran into a person who I went to grad school with who I didn't even realize was in Charleston. I ran into her at MUSC and she had started the heart health program at mm. MUSC Children's Hospital, which is a pediatric weight management program. Mm-hmm. And I ran into her in the hallway and she said, I was doing something totally different. I wasn't even really in anything that was related to nutrition at the time. And so she said, Hey, would you be interested in taking over this program? And she described it to me and it was absolutely (laughs) the best fit for me. Like I could not have created a better job for myself. Hmm. And, um, two weeks, well, like a week and a half later, I was hired and started and, and that's been 15 years and I've been the program manager (laughs) for heart health ever since. So Heart health is my full-time job. So that's mm-hmm. my day-to-day eight to five kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's basically a wellness program for children. I mean, in essence, it's, um, you know, we focus very much on health and wellness, even though it's primarily geared toward children who are looking to reach a healthier weight. Um, right. We try not to focus too much on the weight itself, but it's all about wellness and, and healthy habits. For sure. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, my part-time gig, which is, something I'm incredibly passionate about is sports nutrition and, you know, performance nutrition. And so, um, I work with youth athletics and I work with adults to help people to meet their athletic goals from a nutrition standpoint, because you know, as well as I know, and a lot of people realize that nutrition is such a major, major component to being able to perform it your top notch ability. For sure. For sure. So and, that's where we are today. <laughs> and and let's let's jump, you know, quick to um MUSC because um I mean that their presence is is known, you know, globally. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that, you know, that that institution is right in our backyard. Um but explain to you know the audience <clears throat> your view of the purpose of MUSC as a whole. Like what what's What's their purpose? I know it's a hospital, but what's the, what's the community purpose, your take on that per se? So my take on that, and this may or may not be what their, their particular vision and mission statements state, but what I realize as an employee of MUSC is they're very community driven. Mm-hmm. Um, MUSC looks to be a, a part of the community and to take care of the community and to give back to the community. And that's why I love it as a, a place to work because it's just such a feeling of community with, you know, with the, not only the people that work at MUSC, but also the greater, um, greater Charleston and, and, and even beyond Charleston. And it's just such a, it's, it really truly is a wonderful place to work. And I feel like it's, um, I think maybe, sometimes it, you know, big corporations or big companies might seem a little impersonal, but I think MUSC goes above and beyond to not seem that way, that they really do care about everyone who interacts with, 
working with them. And, and that's a good point. So let's let's do a little, let's play a little game. Let's say you're <laughs> a billion dollar company, right? And um, you just retired from MUSC last year and you uh, understand their purpose and their community involvement um, with your knowledge of nutrition and, and little kids and with sports performance. If you uh, had the power to pin, what program would you implement in, in the community where um, kids can benefit students student from like, cause I know from the tr nutritional standpoint, yeah, you just work with kids, but how do we marry that, um, that student athlete kids focus and what, what were some things you would, you would do if you had a, the power to pin? Mm. So that's a really good question. And it's not very difficult for me to answer because I have so many dreams of things that could be done, but, sure. um, <laughs> I would say, so if I had unlimited resources, um, <clears throat> it would be wonderful to have a, a, a program that would be in the community that would be easily accessible to students and, and student athletes and really any, any kid um, to gain the knowledge that they would need for, you know, wellness, but mm -hmm. also to provide not just not just information, like not just standing in front of them and teaching them, but providing them with the tools like exactly. cooking skills or okay. um, taking them to a grocery store and shopping around with them or actually giving them healthy food. I feel like, you know, the Charleston and greater Charleston area in, in a lot of South Carolina is very much, you know, poverty stricken and it's very difficult for families to to eat healthy because of that in these food deserts that are around. And so I would really want to incorporate um, healthy food, actual healthy food being given to people with the education piece. That, that would be something that would be a dream come true. And I know there are some, some programs that, you know, do their best along those lines, but unfortunately there's just, it's hard to implement those types of things because of funding issues and, for sure. And other, you know, barriers. And and I want to, you know, piggyback off of that because um, you, you made a good point about, you know, now, yeah, it's, it's important to learn how to eat and how to cook and what to eat. But if you don't got the food to do all that, then that's the problem. Right. Exactly. Um, and I think, and I mentioned this in one of my podcasts before that, if we're talking about a, a specific community or, or a specific group of people that may be in a situation, you know, whole food, takes food stamps right um mm -hmm. and i think parents don't know that but what what do you see is the drop um far as um the continuity of, of of young kids eating healthy is it is it is it parents not implementing is it when they're at school not implementing and what, where's the drop because you know like you, we can be in that school program we can tell kids to do xyz all day but mm -hmm. if they go home and it's not followed up that's a problem like what do you what do you think the drop is where it's not really consistent you know um practicing right yeah that's a really good question and and i would say so in the 15 years that i've been running the heart health program um i've noticed a lot of of trends um obviously there are not any like hard and fast rules but there are things that that i notice that happen consistently and i would say probably probably the 
most difficult challenge for kids who are trying to do better is, like you said, the home environment. And it's, it's not so much that people aren't trying. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, the parents are purposely trying to to sabotage a child's efforts. It's just a matter of like people's um, preconceived notions. Yeah. There are so many things like time management, um, you know, the, the financial restrictions, which, uh, you know, there are assistance programs out there that I do believe some people are not aware of that they could tap into, but um, even if they can, it's not going to completely fix the situation. So there's that. Um, There's also the lack of knowledge of, um, you know, how do I implement healthier food choices when this is what I've been used to for my whole life? How do I switch gears, you know, that sort of thing. And so, and it's, it's habit, you know, there's a lot of habit that drives bad habits, right? I mean, it's called a bad habit for a reason. And so it's hard to break habits and create new habits. So there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of gaps and a lot of barriers to doing healthy things for anyone. But then there's even more when it comes to, you know, the families that are struggling financially, there's a lot more barriers there. In this time out message, we got coach Bobby Crimmins. He said, Bobby, it's division one. It's a division one school. And my, the athletic director was my tennis coach. And I just got off the phone with him and he, he agreed to give you an interview. Mm. So I drove from Columbia to Boone. And actually he met me in Charlotte the first time. No, I went to Boone the first time. Mm. First time I went to Boone and they interviewed me in Boone. I came back, I wasn't sure what I was doing. I was, I was 26 years old. What was your record at USC at the time? Well, I was a, I was assistant coach. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so I was only, I worked for Coach Guaya for two years. And I was 26 years old. So I was a little, I didn't, wasn't sure what I was going to do. Right. Well, the next thing I know, they, um, they offered me the job. Now let's get back to the interview. And ask that question about that program because you can see the loopholes, time management, funding, just the know-how, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. to eat. You, you, and you're talking about, and this this will segue into my other topics, you know, just about um, where could families go? Because a family might could be, you know, financially able to buy, but don't know what to buy. A, fin- a family could be, um, got a, you know, you know, just a lot of time on their hands. They work from home, um, but don't know how to how to put the food in. Don't know how to cook. I mean, it's a whole exactly. all kind of different thing. But it's important that families um, fill those loopholes because I think it'll be it'll be effective in sustaining healthy lives throughout. So one of the things that that's problematic that I see, and, and a lot of things I want to just bring some clarity to, is when you're talking from middle school and high school kids, right? Um, let's say a kid get injured. Um, I heard that if you're injured from sprained ankle or what have you, you shouldn't eat dairy. You shouldn't. Is that true? Is that some type of trueness to that point? Of or and if in in addition to answering that question, what are some foods that kids should eat when they're injured or stay away from when they're injured? So yeah, that's really important because I feel like 
proper healing is critical for any stage of the game, but also, I mean, even more so for, for young athletes, if they want to continue on in their athletic career. Um, healing from injuries is interesting because when you pinpoint the nutrients that make a big difference in healing, um, if I were to just kind of list them, I think that the thought of your, your audience might turn to like supplementation, but I do want to clarify that that's not exactly what I'm going to be referring to here. Um, when I'm talking about specific nutrients, it really is so important to get your nutrients from food because the nutrients in the foods that you eat work synergistically to really help your body in so many ways. The pinpointing of particular nutrients just show just as like to emphasize that those are the nutrients that are involved in healing, but not mm. so much that you need to like supplement those particular nutrients. But mm. so I'll get into some of the nutrients that are involved in healing. But I do want to just say that the healthier that someone is eating, not only will they heal faster from injuries, but they will probably prevent a lot of injuries to begin with. Mm. Now, of course, injuries tend to be, uh, a lot of times like a traumatic thing, like you might get hit playing football or you might, you know, just sprain an ankle while you're running or whatever. But sometimes injuries, even when you, when there is a trauma, the injury could be less severe if the body parts are as strong as they can be through good nutrition. Good so just keeping that in mind. <clears throat> um, but the healing nutrients, uh, are, differ a little bit between like a soft tissue injury, like a sprain or a pulled muscle or, or surgery with a, you know, um, a wound from the surgery. They, that differs a little bit from like a broken bone, for instance, but not much, just slightly. Right. Um, so the major healing nutrients, so to speak, <laughs> are, are different vitamins. So like vitamins A, C, and D, but also zinc and amino acids too. So um, again, when you hear these words, like people uh, a lot of times automatically think supplementation, but these are nutrients that are found naturally in foods. Um, they don't need to be supplemented. Um, but if you're going to try to get, you know, focus on those particular nutrients, if you're injured, it's really important to know the foods that have those nutrients. Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about the vitamins, for instance, um, <clears throat> Vitamin A is mostly in, you know, like carrots, sweet potatoes, orange kinds of foods. Mm -hmm. um, it's in fish, it's in milk, and it's in some fruit. So again, all those healthy foods, I didn't mention any junk food there, right? Sure, so junk food sure. doesn't really have any nutritional value. Um, so that would be a place to get some vitamin A. Vitamin C comes from citrus fruits and a lot of different vegetables, um, really dark colored vegetables and fruits. That's where you'd get vitamin C. Um, vitamin D, vitamin D is another healing nutrient that comes mostly from sunlight, but mm -hmm. also some fish, red meat, mushrooms, egg yolk. Those are some things that have vitamin D. Um, and then zinc is another healing nutrient that, that helps promote like an immune response. Mm -hmm. And that's from whole grains, chicken, um, nuts, that sort of stuff. And then of course, it's, it's always important whenever you're, especially as an athlete, because if you think about athletics and athletic training, in essence, when you're training and you're getting stronger, you're getting faster, 
you're actually doing micro damage to your muscles, right? Which is why it's good for you. Cause then mm. you, your nutrients come in and heal up mm. that damage and make your muscles stronger and fitter. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the thing that the one nutrient that gets a ton of attention is protein. Um, so it's important for kids to meet their protein needs, but it's not helpful for them to go above and beyond their needs. Mm-hmm. So the needs of protein for, for anyone is, is about 0.8 grams per kilogram, which doesn't mean a lot to anyone when I say that. But if we're talking about a kid who's maybe like a hundred pounds, for instance, right. that would be roughly about 35 to 45 grams of protein in the day. Okay. So again, that doesn't mean a whole lot unless we look at how much protein is in different foods. So like one egg has six grams of protein and two tablespoons of peanut butter has eight grams of protein. Right. So that's 14 grams of protein right there, which is, you know, quite a bit. And that's one egg and two tablespoons of peanut butter. So I don't want anyone to have the misunderstanding that we have to eat a lot of protein to be healthy or to heal from wounds or from, or, or to, you know, athletically perform at our best. We need to meet our needs. And, but, and we, and we, we struggle so with their that. needs are a little bit higher. And we struggle with that, that P word, that protein word <laughs> before, because, you know, in my reading, um, in my reading, um, it was all protein muscles, protein muscle, right? So I made the connectivity with muscles with the sport and what need to feed the muscles is protein. But mm-hmm. when after talking to you and understand, that's why education is so important. And in my reading, you know, I even read that the, the proteins in human is over, it's, it's like, it's, it's over talked about, like it's, we don't need that mm-hmm. much protein in our body to sustain. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that little bit of education would allow us to enhance our diet a little bit more to, and what you're saying about the synchronicity of, of our muscles and, and just for layman term for the audience, if you're not eating healthy and you're not strengthening up your muscles, yeah, you can, you can tear something. You can, you can mm-hmm. hurt yourself just off a of movement because your muscle is not durable. You don't have the elasticity that it needs for the type of sport. So, um, and, having a good nutrition internally will help you. And we as athletes, we would think about our core mostly than our inner core per se. I mean, our outer core than our inner core per se. <laughs> um, my next question is um, for an athlete that has heart problems. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any food that they should stay away from? Or are there any food that they should eat to help uh, decrease or increase any problems with um, heart problems when, if they're an, um, an athlete? So that is a tricky one because if we're, it kind of depends on what kind of heart problem that we're talking about. So there's, you know, there's structural heart issues, which really there's not a lot that nutrition can do to help other than just like the usual recommendation of just trying to eat as healthy as possible. Um, So that's, if there's some sort of like congenital heart defect, that's a whole different story than like, acquired cardiovascular disease. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what people often know about as far as like someone's risk for having a heart attack or, you know, what's called atherosclerosis, which is, you know, the clogging of the arteries. And now that is a, you know, more of a, it's not as big of a concern for athletes because in general athletes are 
so physically active that they usually have very healthy hearts. Um, however, we still need to think about it because, you know, young athletes may not be, life happens sometimes and hopefully they can continue their athletic pursuits, but, you know, sometimes things happen and they may end up not being as active as they once were. And so even despite that, it's always important to really think about the major nutrients that affect our heart health. And so the, probably the biggest nutrient in food that can affect our heart health is saturated fat. Hey, what's up guys? Check this out. If you're coming into the Charleston area or maybe leaving at the Charleston area and you want to avoid long lines and be greeted by friendly, sweet people, Go check out Mark over at Avis and Budget Car Rental at 7685 Northwoods Boulevard. When you go see Mark and you mention Triple Threat Podcast, you receive 30% discount on your rental. They also offer compact to large SUVs and vans to rent with quick, easy transaction. And check us out and limited mileage on most rentals. So give Mark a call at 843-572-3190. Don't forget to mention Triple Threat Podcast. Saturated fat is mostly from animal sources of food. So if we're thinking about um, high-fat dairy, high-fat meats like ground beef, mm-hmm. um, cheese, things like that. Now that doesn't mean they have to be avoided because obviously there's, there's some nutritional value from those foods, but we have to be uh, aware that it's, it's better to choose healthier versions of animal sources because that is a big source of protein for most people is animal foods. Right. So, um, and again, just going back to the, the protein thing, it is important to meet your base needs of protein. You don't want to be deficient in protein. So we do need to have some, right? So, um, so it, it's important to choose those healthier options like chicken breast more often than like fried chicken or like a hamburger or like steak, you know what I mean? So, um, or a... Um, well, well, just just for Clarence, you said chicken breast, uh-huh. but then you said not fried chicken. Is it cool uh-huh. to eat fried chicken breast? <laughs> Good question. So not really. So honestly, anything that is deep fried and I'm not talking about like pan seared on the top of the stove. I'm talking like deep fried. Um, anything that is deep fried is pretty much at the top of the list of unhealthy foods, even if it started out healthy. Like if it's say like a fried vegetable, for instance, like fried right. okra, right. that is really, really healthy by itself, like steamed or sauteed. But then when you deep fry it, it turns it into mm. a pretty unhealthy food. So, So that's a good question because you're right. I think a lot of times when people are, you know, say they're out and about and they have to grab some food, you know, their mind, if they're trying to do healthier options goes to chicken, but right. then oftentimes it's, there's just fried chicken options at a lot of these fast food restaurants. And so um, maybe not realizing that that's not as healthy of a choice as, you know, if there is a grilled chicken option or if there's some other type of choice that's available yeah. i know it's it's tough sometimes when we eat out <laughs> to right. find things that are decent and and 
what you're saying, you know, is that's a tough question with the heart problems because it's it's kind of be it's it's, it's catch twenty two because you want your heart to be healthy, and the only way you can do that is by exercising, right? Right. So mm-hmm. if you have heart problems and you're not exercising, that could be a problem. So mm-hmm. what you're, what I think what you're saying, if you have slight heart problems, it's good to exercise and, and eat healthy because that will only contribute to the endurance of your heart per se. But if you have any type of indication of heart problems and you're not exercising and you're eating healthy, it's probably not a good combination for your body. Right, yeah. And, and again, if you, so heart problems is, is very broad as far as like a phrase. And so that could encapture you know, very serious congenital heart defects that require, you know, a lot of care and a lot of surgeries. That's one thing. And again, eating healthy is critical to healing and and making sure that everything is kind of like your, the stage is set for good recovery from any kind of surgeries. But then, then there's the, you know, then there's things like high blood pressure Mm -hmm. or high cholesterol you know, and those are kind of technically heart problems too. They affect your heart and the health of your heart. But exercise and eating healthy make a huge difference in recovering, so to speak, from those types of conditions because those are those are I have a, a phrase that I use and I call it I call it lifestyle disease. And so there are a lot of diseases, so to speak, that can be majorly affected by our lifestyle habits. Now, of course, there's always other factors there's heredity and you know environment and things like that but things like type 2 diabetes hypertension high cholesterol those are majorly impacted by the way that we take care of our bodies and we can really prevent there's a great great uh possibility of prevention if we're taking really good care of ourselves i agree and what this other question is what I'm going to ask you, something that I, I struggle with because I, I see it all the time. And um, I want to know what are the triggers? Is it a, trigger, is it a conditioning trigger? Is it something that they ate? Is it allergies? Sometimes we would be in the gym where it's full of dust and, mm. you know, something happens. So the next point I want to talk about is, is, is asthma in athletes, right? Because sometimes, you know, kids working out, they got to stop. They got to go and get the inhaler. Um, are there foods um, that they're eating or, or not should eat that can trigger, um, you know, asthma breakdowns um, when an athlete is competing? So that's a really good question, too. And, you know, a lot of so asthma has even more factors that affect, you know, that disease, too. Like you said, environmental contaminants, um, even the temperature outside, um, you know, but from a nutrition standpoint, there are a couple of things that can affect asthma in a positive way. So um, one thing that we're learning more and more about is vitamin D can have a very beneficial effect on any kind of asthma symptoms. And so, um, and and vitamin D deficiency is pretty common. uh, I would say very common, especially nowadays when, um, you know, just as a culture, COVID or no COVID, we, we tend to be indoors a lot. And so, um, just getting even 10 to 15 minutes of sun on your hands and face per day can really help with vitamin D status. So, um, but I will say that a lot of people are on a vitamin D supplement. And so that could be something that can help. The other really big factor is weight management. So if, if an athlete, I realize that when we think about athletes, we don't often think about 
people who are struggling with their weight, but there are athletes out there who struggle with weight management. And so um, being outside of a healthy weight range for how tall you are can affect your asthma. And so if you're uh, on the heavier side, it, it can make it harder to breathe. And so that can make asthma exacerbations more frequent. Um, and then the last and more, probably the most important part to talk about is that asthma is an inflammatory situation mm. and nutrition can go a long way to decrease inflammation in your body. Mm. So if we think about inflammatory foods versus anti-inflammatory foods, and since your audience is hopefully some kids, I will explain what inflammation means. It's basically your body's response to something, whether it's a, a, a virus or a cut or a, you know, just some, some sort of response to your, so something invading your body or, or causing some trauma in your body. Your body sends these factors mm. to that thing and makes it inflamed, which is kind of what you might think of as like swelling or when you have a cut that gets a little bit angry, you know, that's inflammation. And if we have chronic inflammation in our bodies, that can cause us all sorts of trouble. So it could cause asthma exacerbation. It could cause risk for heart disease, you know, all sorts of issues. Mm -hmm. So that's what inflammation is. <clears throat> now, if you, if you want to, you know, try to have an anti-inflammatory situation going on, the healthier you eat, the better. So basically the foods that are the most anti-inflammatory are foods that come from plants. So vegetables, fruits, whole grains, um, nuts, seeds, those types of foods. And fish is a really probably the one animal slash not plant-based food that is very anti-inflammatory. So those are really, really good for you. So the, if you can have most of your food coming from plant sources, and I don't, mean that you have to be vegetarian, but if a lot of your intake yeah. comes from plant sources, that will be very anti-inflammatory. Mm. But on the other hand, foods that are high inflammatory, so foods that cause inflammation are things like added sugars. So the, the unhealthy sugars that are in like candy and soda, mm -hmm. um, white, white flours and white starches. So like white rice, white pasta, um, just refined, a lot of refined stuff. Mm -hmm. um, fried foods, again, very high inflammation types of foods. Um, and just junk food in general, I guess I could just go ahead and say that. So really highly processed foods, junk foods, deep fried foods, added sugars and refined flours. Those are probably the main foods that are very high inflammatory types of foods. Gotcha. So, you know, I kind of always go back to it's not that those things need to be avoided. That's never my message. And I never tried to demonize any types of foods. But the message here is in order for your body to be the healthiest and perform at its best, having the healthier foods most often is what's going to help you get there. For sure. With just an occasional sprinkle of, you know, treats or something every now and then that's not going to hurt you. If you have an occasional, you know, candy or a piece of cake or something, that's not going to hurt you. But if it's something that you're doing on a regular basis, that's not healthy, then that's really going to cause you issues down the road. And this time our segment, we got Jay Christmas. 
no matter what it was, I was trying to let him know he was doing a good job. And then once he got comfortable and I saw him grow, I was monitoring what I was doing. And so I started then implementing mm. a little bit of negative reinforcement. Mm. This mm. is, you know, and then, and then again, trial and error, but it was working. For sure, for sure. It was, uh, it, it was working, so um, I was happy with the results. And so right. I always, and then I always made sure he played with older kids. For sure. Um, cool. I wanted him, I did not want him being the best kid on the field. Now let's get back to the interview. And it sounds like I'm going like inside my lungs. Like it sounds like, because when the, when a person going to get that tube and they spray it, what happens, Janet? Does it, is this, this is because of the, the reaction, your tubes or whatever, like close up. And then that, that inhalant opens, opens his back up. Like what's, what's the reaction like what's the maneuvering for for that what what happens with that yeah so that's basically it and i'm not a pulmonologist so i'm not going to speak too much to that because it's not sure. my area of expertise but sure. that is basically what happens is that in an asthma situation the bronchioles restrict and then that makes it difficult to get in the air okay. and then the inhaler medication in the inhaler um you know opens them back up and then there's gotcha. that ability to get in more air. And that's the basics. Gotcha. So, you know, that's segue into my other topic for our supplements, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, being an athlete, um, you get so many different information. And um, I, I do a plant-based um, supplement right now. I do just water, um, uh, uh, the, the, the chocolate supplement, bananas and blueberries. And that's, that's keeps me... Like keeps me sturdy, but creatine was a no-no uh, for me um, because it, uh, you got to drink a lot of water. Whey protein is, is is milk and a lot of things that be don't supposed to be in our body, but it helps you gain weight. What's your take on? Um, I know I know you would say plant-based is the first option, but <laughs> yes. give give the audience some some because you know that's not saying that creatine and whey wouldn't work for somebody else. Right. Um, what are some bad? What are some 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 negatives or some positives from not doing plant based? Which what you should be doing plant based all, but what are some good things I meant from creatine and whey? So you know the broader I think conversation could be about supplements in general, and I I just want to say that in general, it's really important to speak to probably either a dietitian or I would pretty much to say a dietitian <laughs> for any kid that thinks that they need a supplement. And the reason for that, a supplement of any kind. So you're kind of talking more like protein supplements, but really any kind of supplement. And the reason I say that, and I'm not trying to like sell services of dietitians, it's really important to know where the deficiencies lie mm -hmm. in the diet and how to supplement them the best. So basically a supplement is designed to support some area of deficiency because if your body is deficient in anything mm. any nutrient protein vitamins minerals that's where the mm. your performance could start to diminish right mm. or your body could start to not work as well and so it's important to pinpoint where that deficiency is if any because i think a lot of times people take supplements 
even though they eat really healthy and mm. pretty much are on point. And then in essence, they're, they could be harming themselves potentially, or at the very least wasting their money. So it really is just something to look at more carefully. But <clears throat> to answer the question that you have more pointedly, um, yes, I always recommend a plant-based supplement of any kind. It's very, very, very much healthier to go that route. However, um, as you said, some people may prefer something different. And, and to be totally honest, it would be almost like a trial and error mm -hmm. situation as mm -hmm. far as what, what someone's personal gut prefers um, and, how, and what helps them to feel the best. So if someone did need some sort of protein supplement, which is not often something that I recommend only because we, we as a culture tend to get much more protein than we need, but it depends right. on that person's athletic needs so to speak. So um, if someone were to need something, um, we would definitely have to try different products um, from a taste standpoint, a tolerance standpoint, but I would always start with the plant-based products. But from a, from a standpoint of what they provide nutritionally, I mean, it's all pretty much similar because it's all the elemental proteins. It's not like if you have a, a you know, something that has whey, it, it might have a few different things in there than you should really necessarily be having. Like you said, there are some mm -hmm. things in there that maybe our bodies weren't designed to really process. Mm -hmm. But if you don't tolerate the plant-based stuff that, and you need something, then you kind of have to, you know, go with the next option. And so that's, that's really where I would go with it. If I had an athlete who needed a protein supplement for some reason, um, I would but, start with the plant-based ones and <clears throat> go from there. But you made a good point, and I'll uh, share how ignorant I and how crazy oh, I sounded. <laughs> no, because I mean, you just and that's why that's why it's good to talk to people, and that's why this, this podcast is awesome. Because yes, I'm trying to get people to to learn something, but hell, I'm learning so much you know, <laughs> as 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 I go through too. Because what you just said is parents and the audience, like, yeah, my focus was the performance side of what protein can bring for you, right? for as an athlete performance and losing muscle and losing weight and putting that back into you. But if you're, if you need iron, if you, if you're missing something, some deficiency that you're not getting from your diet that your body needs, those are supplements that you should be looking into versus, versus the, I mean, not the proteins things, because like you said, right. if you're eating healthy, like myself, I'm eating healthy. I might be doing my body damage by drinking protein because I'm, I'm putting all things in my body that I need. Right. So potentially mm -hmm. that was, that was a good, uh, a good point, a good, a good point <laughs> to analyze that, you know, maybe you don't need it as much as you think you do, but being an athlete and been doing it so long, I've gotten to the condition of, of wanting to look a certain way, wanting to feel a certain way. And those things that allowed me to do that, I still practice it. So that's why I wanted to get some clarity on, on the, uh, on the supplement. And you just, you just pretty much answered my point and gave me a lot of, a lot of good in, uh, information. You know, and Jermel, it's not to say that what you're doing is not good for you. However, <laughs> um, that's the other part of nutrition that I feel like is, is probably frustrating to my clients a lot of times is that nutrition is often, so yes, there are some like hard and fast recommendations that we make that really are solid and there's not trial and error that's involved, but there are some recommendations that we make that involve trial and error. And you have to figure out what works for you 
in the context of what's healthy for your body. So like you said, if you've been taking this protein drink that you love and it's meeting your needs, you're not having any negative effects from it and you feel like it's working for you, then it's probably fine. Right. And there's probably no, no issues with it. Um, and again, I, just to qualify what I've been saying is that I probably can guarantee that a lot of people do fall short in their diet in some way, shape or form. So the, but the first step in my mind to improve that is not necessarily to turn to a supplement. It would be to try to figure out what kinds of foods can be added to the diet mm. to help, you know, boost those particular areas that are lacking. And then if, if we just can't figure it out, then a supplement could, could work for someone. So just to make that more clear in an example, if, and this is actually someone I, you know, this is not an uncommon client for me to have a young person who wants to be vegetarian, mm -hmm. um, but is fairly picky eater, you know? And so a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of what I've seen in the past is like their main intake it consists of like rice, beans, and, you know, some fruit. And that's like it. So of course that child or that athlete or that young person is not getting anywhere near the nutrition that they need right. because it's mm -hmm. very limited in the variety of different things. And so in that situation, the first step would be, what do you feel like you could add to this mm. repertoire of foods that would help you to add in more nutrition? And then if we get to the point where it's like, we've kind of maxed out all the options that they'd be willing to add at that moment, then I would say, okay, let's turn to a supplement to try to make up some of the difference. You know what I mean? Makes sense. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermel President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, after college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to, to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And its philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball. Focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. And so, Janet, in closing, um, <clears throat> you know, we designed the oatmeal recipe, and this, this segment was basically on nutrition. Um, so, I don't think you don't have to uh, reiterate that. But my other two topics um, are education and skill development. So I want to know from you, um, how important is education in your craft, right? Of learning new food, learning new, new things every day and how to deal with body types, blood types. How important is education to you um, in, in your career? And um, how do you, 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 you get the information to your clients effectively? So Jamal, I love that question. And especially because of this conversation that we've had today, I think it was made very clear how important education is um, 
And even though education does not always lead to behavior change, I think it can be a really good first step. And I always feel like if I can give people the tools that they can use when they are ready to make changes, then I've done my job basically. And <clears throat> as a dietitian, it's not only the trickiest part of my job, but also what I'm trained to do best is to like kind of translate, so to speak, the, the science, which is very like, very sciencey. You know, the language in the science is very much specialized to this type of job is to translate that language from those research studies that are done into usable information for my clients and my patients mm -hmm. and help them to know that this is what research is showing works for our bodies. This is the healthiest thing for us. Here's how you can try to implement that into your life. So it's not so much just stating the words that are in the research study. It's, it's creating this usable information that they can implement their lives and trying to meet them where they are in their lives you know so giving them the information that will be helpful for them at that time but then also maybe adding a little bit to it for for later if their lives change a little bit so that they have that information and the tools in their pocket it makes sense and and lastly <clears throat> it's something that i want to kind of you want to wrap it up because i i want to hear your take on it because you being the person with the information, you do the research, you got the knowledge, right? And here are your clients, they're seeking that, all right? So you, you stated those words, translation, stated, creating. Um, all those are words you're trying to get information to their clients, but it takes a skill, right? It takes a skill to do that, whether it's relationships, whether it's, you know, text and email, and it's, it takes a skill. What skill uh, that you implement in your career that allows you to be effective of getting the information, getting that buy-in. That's the word I'm looking for. Getting that mm -hmm. buy-in from mm -hmm. your clients. Um, it's a bit of an art. <laughs> um, I've had to really practice a lot of different tactics and, and, and the ability to read people and, and know what they'd be receptive oh, to, shame. which is, it's tricky. It's not something that's easy to teach um, as far as how to, how to, determine what someone would be open to hearing but um i've just so one thing that i practice a lot in my in my all my jobs like all of my clients and, and patients i practice this technique it's called motivational interviewing and the the main piece of motivational interviewing is helping the client identify their own need for improvement so for instance it would be like if I were if so if you were one of my clients, Jamel, we could do, you know, an assessment. I would figure out what you're currently eating and your exercise habits. And then I would say to you, what do you feel like needs improvement? Mm -hmm. And it helps it helps you to critically think about what you've been doing and pinpoint something that, you know, you fall short in mm -hmm. because a lot of people do have common knowledge about most nutrition concepts right mm -hmm. yes there's a little bit more i can teach people like in depth about things mm -hmm. but when you turn it back to them and help them critically think about their everyday habits it really becomes eye-opening for them and it's and then it 
it opens that door for me to be able to assist them because they have opened their mind to possibly working They're on vulnerable, something. right? They're vulnerable right now. <laughs> and you know, that's a good point. And, 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 I, and I wanted to hear that because if I can relate that to a student, when a, when a, when a parent brings a kid to me to be trained, right? The first thing I ask that, that, that kid is that, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Is, is it is your parents or because of you, mm-hmm. right? And the most nine times out of 10, they say, it's because of me. I'm like, I thank you, okay? Now that you're here and you want to get better, we will have a fun time doing it. But if your parent brought you here, it's going to be conflicting. So what you did was actually you allow your, your clients to be responsible for their own issues. Because if, if I, if I got to tell the kid, you're going to do this, you got to do that, you got to do that. And then in addition to their parents making them do that, it's not going to work. That buying got to be in, you know, be, be, we both got to buy in together. And, and like you said, yeah. it's got to be something where they were there are um, admitting their own issues and, and finding ways to attack in that. That's awesome. Absolutely. It's critical. That's awesome. Well, Ms. Carter, again, sure. I appreciate your time. You know, it's been, been awesome talking to you and, and the wealth of knowledge that you always bring is very much appreciated. Appreciate it. Thank well, you. I appreciate you, Jamel. You're one of a kind and it's such a great thing to have you in our community. Really appreciate you too. Thank you. Well, hope you have a, a great weekend and, and go do what you do. Sorry for taking so much of your time today. Oh, never a problem. Please have me again. For sure. All right. All right. See you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye. You're welcome. Bye. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. Uh, Janet Carter giving some great information to our audience, student athletes and families about being a conscious, uh, healthy student athlete. Coming up next, we got an all-time great coach, Bobby Crimmins. Um, did a stint all over the country. I'm known uh, definitely at uh, Georgia Tech with uh, Kenny Anderson, the big three down there. But he also did a, uh, a stint at the College of Charleston. Um, great years. Yeah, I got a chance to meet him and um, learn a lot from him, not being a coach, but just learn as a friend and, and, and talking to him a lot. So um, look forward to getting to the interview. All right. Be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program. Because these are the kind of things that every community needs, looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth. And everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful. And, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month
Sick.